everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Am I the only one, but are you intrigued by a lot of these before and after photographs and these before and after television shows? You'll see a house. Maybe this house doesn't look that great. You walk into a room and they'll show you on television all the furniture is pushed against the walls and then they hire this designer and the designer shows you before, then after. It's like the house is just absolutely a showcase before and after. Then you got these physiques, you know, before. You have a guy, he has, didn't have a six pack, like a one pack, a big old pop belly. He's like this before, after. He's like, you're like, whoa, what kind of shakes are he, is he drinking, you know? <laughs> then you have someone else, maybe they have a car and the car doesn't look that great, door dings and the tires are almost bald and then they'll take it to a custom shop and they'll make the car into something that's like a, like a showstopper before and after. I, I love that, before and after. The Bible is a book about the before and after. Have you ever thought about that? Before and after. And that's something that we can connect with because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the power that is on tap 24-7 for all of us, no matter where we are in our lives, no matter what age or what stage you find yourself, the resurrection power is available. The resurrection is the resource that gives us the ability to to live in Godfidence, to live in the green. What is Godfidence? Godfidence is where God wants us. Sometimes this surprises people, but our God is a God of confidence. He thought swagger up. It was his idea. That's why we search for swagger. Back in the day, of course, Adam and Eve had swagger down cold. I mean, they, they were just, you know, walking and talking with confidence because they understood that it was all about God. It wasn't self-confidence. They had God-confidence. That's the word, Godfidence. Well, Adam and Eve decided to look to something else for their props, and once they did that, they began this whole thing that we call today sin. They started the sin situation. What is sin? Sin is basically an archery term. Sin means you're missing the mark. So the moment that man looked away from God for for his security, we've been struggling with this confidence ever since. And we crave confidence. And this confidence that we crave is from God. Ultimate confidence is from God. God is a confident God. He wants you and me to walk in confidence. If you could come up with the coolest plan and potential for your life, I'm sure it would be pretty amazing. If I gave you an opportunity to write it down, or maybe you have an iPad and you would kind of write out what you want your life to be, it would be pretty impressive. If you compare that plan, though, to God's, God's plan, His agenda, His destiny would blow away any of your plans or my plans that we could come up with on our own. Anytime... Day or night, because when I've tried to come up with plans on my own, they're, they're too small and they're too self-centered compared to God's plans for my life. 
So, so here's the deal I want you to understand. God's plan for you is awesome. And he wants you and me to walk with swagger. But so many of us have a snag in our swag. And that, and that, and that snag is due to this nature, this synetic, synetic nature we inherited from Adam and Eve. So we think, okay, if I dress the part, drive the part, live the part, if I occupy the part, that'll give me confidence. Well, it does in certain areas. The true confidence, though, that we crave is confidence. So before and after, before and after. Once we make this, this resurrection decision that is founded on a relationship with Christ, the power is on tap, I'll say it again, day and night to pound the pride and to face the fear and to walk in confidence. But I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes people go, okay, all right, you're living this way, that's your life before Christ, and you meet Christ, you believe in him, you receive him, and then everything's okay. You don't have any more problems. Everything is just hunky-dory. It's just smooth sailing. That's not the deal. Not at all. What I'm promising you, based on Scripture and based on looking back in the rearview mirror of my life, once you make this grace reception to receive what Jesus did for you on the cross, once you receive the resurrection power, then you will have the confidence, the swagger to face those issues in your life like never before. I'm talking about a marital issue. I'm talking about a friendship issue. I'm talking about a business issue. I'm talking about a financial issue. I'm talking about a physical issue. Any issue that you can think about, if you do the before and then receive the resurrection power and the after thing, you we will be able to tackle life tenaciously like never ever before. The Bible is a book about the before and after. And whenever I talk about the before and after, I think about one of my favorite characters. And this guy is a guy that most of you have heard of. In the balcony, on the floor, you've probably heard of this guy. In all of our environments, you've probably heard of this guy. I'm talking about none other than Simon Peter. Simon Peter. You might know him as St. Peter if you grew up Catholic or whatever. Simon Peter is a guy I love because he's so human. And that's one of the things I enjoy about the Bible. The Bible not only talks about the good side, the positive side of people, also talks about the negative side, the fact that people are fallen and fallible. And that's something that we can all identify with. Simon Peter on the swagometer, because that's what this is behind me, the swagometer, the swagometer. Simon Peter was all over the page. In fact, he was off the grid in many circumstances and situations. He dealt with pride and fear, fear and pride, a little bit of confidence. That's before. After, though, wow, you won't believe what happened. Sometimes people say this to me. They go, you know what? I don't go to church because the church is full of, fill it in. Hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? Hypocrite is somebody that says one thing and does another. That's a hypocrite. Turn to your neighbor and say, I didn't realize I was seated beside a hypocrite. Just say that. And now look at me and say, I didn't realize this pastor was a hypocrite. <laughs> I'm a hypocrite. So are you. That's really hilarious. If you want to talk about a hypocrite, let's talk about Simon Peter. Talking about saying one thing and doing another. What do you mean, Ed? Well, let me give you the Wikipedia of his life. A quick, quick look at the life of Simon Peter before and after. 
before. Here's Simon Peter. He owned a fishing business. Very successful. He knew about employees. He knew about trying to handle the elements. He knew about 401ks and all of that. One day he had a meeting with Jesus, a business meeting, and Jesus did business in his life. Following that business meeting, Simon Peter sold his fishing business and got into the fishing for men business. He became one of Christ's disciples, one of his boys, posse, whatever you want to say. You know, he followed Jesus around for 36 months. Well, one day, Jesus looked at bold and brash, wheels off, emotional basket case, Simon Peter. I mean, Simon Peter's the kind of guy in traffic, if you were going too slow, he'd be like, ah, ah. That's the kind of guy he was, you know? P Peter is talking to Jesus one day, and Jesus looks at him and goes, hey, hey, Simon Peter, I'm going to give you a nickname. The Rock. And don't you know all the disciples were like, the Rock. This guy's off the grid. Jesus, he's into pride and fear on the swagger meter. The Rock. He's not a rock. Oh, my goodness. You, Jesus, I hate to say it. You might be the son of God, but you missed on that nickname. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that men like to give other men nicknames? Terms of endearment. Women don't do nicknames. Women, you don't. The names you call other women, I can't say them from the stage, but women, <laughs> you don't do nicknames. Men, we like nicknames. Think about it. Think about it. It's not LeBron James, it's King James. It's not Deion Sanders, it's prime time. It's not Muhammad Ali, it's the greatest. We love these nicknames. So here Jesus calls Simon Peter, this hypocrite, the rock. And I bet he was so excited. Oh, this is incredible. He probably had it embroidered on his robe, the rock. I'm the rock, man. I'm the rock. And it gave him such confidence that he began to really get prideful. One day Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, something that is very, very humbling. He began to wash Simon Peter's feet. Here's what Simon said. Don't be washing my feet. No, you cannot wash my feet. It sounds so spiritual, so holy, so great in reality, it was prideful. It was all about fear. It was all about control, all about insecurity. The rock is crumbling. And then later, he told Jesus, Jesus, I'll never diss you. I'll never disrespect you. These other cats, they might go south. Not me. I'll fight for you until the end. I'm the rock. Yeah. Jesus locked eyes with them. You know what Jesus said? Hey, Simon Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow, you're going to deny me three times. Three times. So Jesus needs Simon Peter. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane thinking about the cross, thinking about your sins and mine, thinking about being separate from the Father, thinking about what was before him. And he asked Simon Peter to pull an all-nighter with him. Simon Peter goes to sleep three times. Doesn't even help Jesus in his need. I'm telling you, the guy was crumbling, man. Crumbling. The rock. He's a rock? No, man, he's getting rocked is what's happening. <laughs> they arrest Jesus. 
And he pulls the sword, Simon Peter. Does the Benny Hanna thing. Boom, cuts the guy's ear off. Oh, oh my gosh, my ear. Oh my gosh. Jesus. Probably looks at Peter like, what, what, are, what are you? And they carry him off. And the Bible says Simon Peter followed Jesus at a distance. Read it in scriptures, in the gospels. Do you know people who follow Jesus at a distance? Kind of, they just want just enough God, just enough Jesus to be comfortable. You know, just, just enough, just to be comfortable. And as they were holding Jesus in this tank, Simon Peter's out by the fire. Everybody's, you know, making s'mores and all that. And he's warming his hands. And a servant girl goes, hey, weren't you one of the guys with Jesus? Simon Peter goes, no, no way, no, no. Then another woman, hey, you were with, you were with this, this Jesus, weren't you? No, Simon Peter says, no, 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 you got, the, you got the wrong person. Then a guy confronts him, I know you were with Jesus. You're, you're, you're one of his disciples. And then the Bible says, Simon Peter goes, I don't know what in the you're talking about because I don't know any guy named Jesus. The dude just, just started cussing. You want to talk about a hypocrite? You want to talk about saying one thing, locking eyes with the Savior of the world? I'll never diss you. I'll never disrespect you. And now he's denying Jesus? Think about it. We've all denied Jesus. I have, you have too. By our walk, by our talk. As I said, I'm a hypocrite. I mean, just think about, you know, 29 years ago when I got married, I said, before Jesus, I said, you know, and, you know, others, I said, I will love Lisa in sickness and in health, in prosperity and adversity. And I will love her, Jesus, like you love the church. Have I always done that? No. If you don't believe me, buy one of my books about marriage. I've talked about it, the failures I've, I've had as a husband in marriage. I guess I'm a hypocrite. So are you. None of us, though, could be as big or as bad a hypocrite as Simon Peter. Sometimes you go to church and think, oh, man, God cannot forgive me. God cannot give me a mulligan. God, God cannot... Can I give me another chance? I mean, you don't realize what I'm into. You don't realize what I did last night, 10 years ago. Ed, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. God does, and he's still crazy about you. You matter to him that much. So Simon Peter, after Jesus is arrested, crucified, he bolts and he hides in fear behind locked doors, paralyzed. Tyrannized. He's, he's, just, he's just freaking, man. He's afraid people are going to come after him. He's afraid of the future. He's afraid of death. He just, he just doesn't, doesn't dig it. Well, finally he goes, you know what? I'm just going to go back doing what I know how to do. I'm just going to go fishing. So he convinces some of the disciples to go fishing with him. This guy was a leader. He was a leader. Jesus was in the grave. Day one, everybody was like, he's not coming back. 
He's just another guy with a messianic complex who opened up his bag of tricks and walked across the stage of life. He's not coming back. Dead men don't rise. Day two. I told you he's not coming back. I mean, he said it. He predicted it, but he's not coming back. Third day, he bursts forth with resurrection power. A woman is the first one into the tomb. Another woman follows her. And and, and they meet an angel. And here's what the angel says. I, I love this, man. This is such a verse of grace. Mark chapter 16, verse 7. The angel said, but go, tell his disciples... Say the next two words with me. And Peter. Say it again. And Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you. Wow. I can identify with that. It's like Peter is being lifted off the pages of Scripture. And Peter. So here they are. They're fishing. They fished all night, and they hear a voice from a young man on the beach, a young guy. He goes, hey, guys, you caught anything? They're like, no, we've been skunked. He said, cast on the other side of the boat. So they cast on the right side of the boat, and they pull in. The Bible says 153 big honking fish. Now, I've often wondered, why does the Bible say 153? In the Hebrew, when you add up 153, it means son of God. So Peter, when he sees this, is like, it's the Lord. He jumps in, it's like Michael Phelps. <laughs> Swims 100 yards to the beach. It's Jesus. Disciples paddle in, and I love this scene. Jesus has built a fire. He's making breakfast for the boys. Don't you know when... Peter saw that fire he thought about just several days earlier when he was at the fire and denied Jesus and cursed the name of Jesus. And here Jesus is making breakfast for them and over coffee, maybe, I'm not sure what they were drinking, but Jesus said, Simon Peter, do you love me? He said it again, do you love me? Do you really love me? Jesus forgave him, gave him a mulligan, golfers, gave him another chance. Before the death and resurrection of Christ, he was all over the swagometer. Now he's tapping into the resurrection power. I love you. I love you. I love you. Think about three for a second. Three times, three times, Peter denied Jesus. How long did Christ's ministry last? Three years. One, two, three. How many times did Peter fall asleep when Christ needed him the most? One, two, three. Jesus died on a hill and there were three crosses. One, two, three. They put him in the tomb. He was there how many days? Three. One, two two, three. Jesus reinstated Simon Peter how many times? Three times. One, two, three. Later on, after, when he was was still struggling with pride and fear, 
Simon Peter was praying because he thought it was just a Jewish thing. And God spoke to him three times in a dream. One, two, three. Go, he said, to the house of Cornelius, this Italian, and share the good news with him. And the Bible says three men from Cornelius' home, one, two, three, brought Simon Peter in. And over a fire, again, he shared Jesus and they became followers. Three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three, death, burial, and resurrection. Three, three. Sometimes when Lisa and I are holding hands, we have this little thing we do. It's kind of romantic. I'll sometimes squeeze her hand like this. Bum, bum, bum. Three squeezes, back to back. I love you. I'll do that. Bum, bum, bum. She'll respond with this, with two squeezes. Boom, boom. That's how much. <laughs> and then I'll just like, Argh! that's Easter. Yeah. That's Easter. Jesus is holding your hand. He's holding your hand, squeezing it. I love you. You're going like, how much? This much. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose again. We don't serve a God who's in the grave. Christianity is different from all the other world religions because the grave of the one is empty. Dead men don't rise. Jesus did. And we have that power, the same power that brought him back from the grave 2,000 years ago and changed is available in your life and available in mine. Simon Peter, before, after, he still dealt with pride and fear, but, but, but check out what he was known by. Because Simon Peter is just one of the people who's like, who's like a leader in this new thing called the church. And the church was being persecuted and it was growing and just blowing up and he's preaching these incredible messages. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw, they being all the people, the courage of Peter and John. The courage. What's the antithesis of fear? Courage. What is courage? The God-given ability to stand. And they realized, the Bible says, that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Again, your decision to follow Christ is just a decision that gets you in the game. But there's a whole game to be played. We've got to have the power and the confidence and the swagger to do the stuff. Courage. Courage. It's on tap. Now look at Acts chapter 4, verse 33. They were also known by their power and grace. So courage, whoa, and power and grace. Power to pound the pride, to pulverize the pride. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. Grace, grace. Peter understood grace. Peter deserved, wow, punishment. He denied Christ. Jesus, though, gave him grace. Something that he didn't deserve, something that none of us here deserve. When I was 12 years old, I lived in Columbia, South Carolina. 
Now, my father is a preacher. We had this, this church back in the day that was downtown. We had a five-story building that was part of the church. So before church, I used to go up there, I had to confess this with some of my friends, guys and girls, and I would spit on people out of the window walking to church, just poo. And I have some pretty good hand-eye coordination, it's okay. So I figured out if they were at this crack in the sidewalk, if I spit at that crack, it would be a perfect hit. I mean, women would be walking to church, boom, we had no idea. We'd be like, oh, dying laughing, big, you know, spit in their hair. It, it was hilarious. Well, one time I got really brave. I said, you know, I'm tired of spitting. I said, I'm going to take a trash can, fill it up full of ice cold water, and throw it on somebody. They were like, don't do it, Ed. If your dad finds out, he'll kill you. I said, man, this, it's going to be fun. Just trust me. No one will, no one will tell. So I filled this trash can full of ice cold water, and I see this guy walking. I'll never forget it, walking to church on the sidewalk. I mean, he had on the suit, you know, the bow tie, the hair. He's just like walking, you know, just very, you know, had the big Bible under his arm. I'm thinking, okay, he is the man. So when he hits that crack, I just take this water. I don't, I don't know how I even had the strength. And I dumped it out of the fifth story window. And I looked down and I saw that water like And he hit that crack, boosh! He got baptized from five stories up. The guy's bow tie was like boom, his hair. And he looked up like, what, what? And I was like backing off so you, know, you couldn't see. Well, he starts running up the stairs. So I'm like, all right. So I just walked down the staircase like, no big deal. He passed me. He goes, hey, hey! Do you know who threw water on me? I had no idea, sir. I have no idea. So I just kept walking. Then we got down at the bottom. We just died laughing. Like, did you see that guy? <laughs> we just, just busted him. You know, it was hilarious. Oh, it was great. Well, my joy only lasted for about 10 minutes because someone came up to me and they said, Yeah, your dad wants to see you in his office. I'm like, What? Because dad don't see anybody before he preaches. Yeah, he wants to see you in his office. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be bad. I mean, I, 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 I might be on restriction for life, you know. He might kill me. So I walked in his office and sat down. He was reading the Bible, studying. He looked up at me. He said, son, did you throw water on? He named the guy's name. I said, yes, sir, I did. He said, son, you could not have thrown water on a better person. <laughs> he said, that man is negative. He's a jerk, and I hope he leaves the church. Thank you for doing that. I was like, that's it? Have a great service. Whoa. Wow. That's grace, <laughs> unmerited favor. I deserve punishment, a whooping. I deserve to be put on restriction for four or five years, but no, 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 grace, grace. <laughs> Simon Peter, at the end of his life, to show you what God and the resurrection power had done for him, 
to show you, yeah, he still battles some pride and fear. You read about it after, but to show you what God did, when he died, he asked to be crucified upside down. He said, I'm not even worthy to die the way my Savior died. The resurrection rocked him, man. He lived up to his name. One of the great men to ever walk on planet Earth. Before and after. Sometimes it gives you confidence. Wouldn't you agree to know who your dad is? Kids, you know what I'm saying to you? It gives you confidence to know, to really know who your dad is. And in certain environments, it helps you really walk with swagger. Hey, that's my dad. That's my dad. Like my kids, they walk with swagger around fellowship because they're my kids and they can go into the green room and go into my office like they do before and after every service. They're just my kids. That's what they do. I bet Bill Gates' kids got some pretty good computers. What do you think? I bet his kids' computers are better than my kids' computers and your kids' computers. I bet their bank accounts are bigger, too. Anyway, <laughs> ever watch the Super Bowl? Seen little kids run up down the field. Hey, huh? You're like, what? Well, their dads are the players. Total access, man. Ever been on a tour of the White House? Got to stand behind the velvet ropes with your kids. If you're the president's kids, you can play Star Wars in the Oval Office. It doesn't matter. Are you a son? Are you a daughter? Have you been adopted by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Are you in the family of God? Who was your daddy? Who's your dad? Because if the Heavenly Father is your father, you have total access. I'm talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm talking about the bright and shining star. I'm talking about the Alpha and the Omega. I'm talking about the one who sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and rise again. I'm talking about the one who gives us the power, the power before and the real resurrection power once we meet him to make our after a heavenly ever after. Do you know him? Do you know him? Dear Heavenly Father, as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we're just so grateful for the before and after. We're so grateful for people like Simon Peter who are so real and raw, people that we can identify with. You know, there's some people here, God, and they're in the before column. You're searching for swagger. You're searching for confidence. It's found in God. And you can make that decision. You can get found right now by saying this to yourself, just repeating this prayer after me. Just say, God, I admit to you that I've messed up, that I'm a hypocrite. I know I'm not telling you something you don't know, but I am. I turn from my sin and turn to you. I believe, God, you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and to rise again. But right now, I ask you to take control of my life. You're squeezing my hand. I love you. You're telling me about your love. You're unfathomable, incredible, 
supernatural love. That's what this life is all about. And many people are moving right now from before to after because of the decision you just made. Father, we celebrate the resurrection power that's on tap 24-7. May we walk in it and live by it. We're going to still face trials. We're going to still suffer. But I'm going to tell you something. The result, we know God, is going to be a beautiful thing. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless. God bless.